We interrupt this broadcast with some important news. Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time time for Taiwan This Week. Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week, a roundup of the top news stories from around the island over the past seven days. I'm Keith Manconi of ICRT News. Joining me in studio today is Gavin Phipps, also of ICRT News. Gavin. Uh, Good evening. And by phone, we have ICRT's correspondent for Central Taiwan, Donovan Smith. Donovan. Hi, good to be here. Today on the show, we are taking a look at the financial woes in Miaoli County. The continuing fallout from the Formosa Fun Coast powder fire disaster now three weeks on. And some good news for travelers in Taichung. But first, the big day is almost, almost here. This Sunday, the KMT's Party Congress is set to nominate its candidate for the 2016 presidential election. And all the political observers I listen to seem to expect a presumptive candidate, Hong Shouju, to sail right on through the process. Uh... What are you guys seeing here? Do you, do, do you agree with that? Is she going to be the candidate come Monday, Gavin? they got no one else, have they? Yep. Okay, so that's a big yes from there. Uh, Donovan? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Uh, so that's two yeses. Uh, but the party is not without its internal strife. Uh, this week, uh, we heard that five lawmakers were expelled for uh, party chairman uh, Julie Luen, say it, uh, criticizing the party, I guess, overly stridently. Uh, Gavin, tell us about that. That was kind of ironic, that, actually. The Central Standing Committee of the KMT expelled the five party members, those party members being one lawmaker, a former lawmaker, a serving Taipei City Councilman, and a former Taipei City Councilman. And ironically enough, the Central Standing Committee even expelled one of its own members. Oh, that being the fifth person to be expelled. So, oh, right, yeah, an alternate the, for the Central Standing Committee, yeah. One of them went, basically, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was a great comment by Chu. Apparently he said that they were stripped of their KMT membership because they made public defamatory comments that could cause divisions within the party. What did they say exactly? I haven't, I haven't seen much about that. They were just critical of the party's policy guidelines and, of course, the possible nomination of Hong as the party's candidate for the election. Right. So while we do think that she is going to be nominated this Sunday, uh, I mean, this doesn't speak too well for party unity. Uh, Donovan, what does this say about what's going on in the KMT right now? Oh, the KMT is collapsing. Oh, OK. <laughs> uh, that's simple enough. OK, expand on that. Um, well, basically, the, the elites have reached their the, 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 there's no new generation coming in. I mean, traditionally, the, the top party officials uh, come from the, the elites that came over after 1949 and those families. The next generation are all the foreign citizens. They're they're Americans. You know, Sean Nian's kids are are Canadians. Mine Joe's kids are Americans, and so on and so forth. So basically, the elites don't really have any candidates. Julio is pretty much Eric Chu is 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 basically the only one left. Um, And Hao Longbin is pretty much all they've got left. now, the factions, they've been trying to, they've had an uneasy uh, relationship with the factions, the local Taiwanese factions, since the, the since the 50s, and they're all bolting the party because they're, they're not really loyal. It was, a, it was a financial patronage relationship, so they're, they're bolting. So there's not really anything left to the party. Right, so we've already seen a, a number of party members uh, that have uh, jumped ship from the party. Uh, and uh, this week, you know, add to that five more that have been kicked out. Uh, but based on reports, this might just be the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zhang Shuowen, who uh, bolted to the PFP, uh, he said that he thinks that there's over 10 in the teens is the number of uh, KMT legislators who are planning or considering leaving the party already. 
Now, we've already seen, uh, I believe it was last week, I mentioned there was four who left the party. Two, interestingly enough, from the deep blue Taipei, new Taipei area, and Zhang Shouwen was one of those, uh, who are definitely ideologues of the, of the old school, not just, not just local Taiwanese faction politicians. Now, two left the party uh, or just refused to run again last week. We also had the one who went for, for the uh, Mingguo Dong, Dong um, a couple months ago. And then now we've got Ji uh, Guodong from here in Taichung, who uh, was also kicked out. And he's been quite vocal and has openly said that he's considering running for another party. Now, he was snubbed when he tried to run in the primary, in, in spite of being ahead in the polls, for the Taichung 2 up against the Enqing Biao's son. Uh, so looking looking like dark days uh, if uh, the KMT is trying to hold on to a majority in the legislative Yuan. Oh, they're not going to, they're not, they don't even have a hope of holding on to it. And so what is this going to mean uh, for the campaign uh, going forward? Are, are, are the people in the party that are going to, you know, applaud her uh, Hong Shouju through the process this Sunday, are, are, are they really supportive of this candidate? Or is this really a, a decision that was made exclusively by the center uh, deep blues of the party? Well, Interestingly, this seems to be a giant screw-up. Um, uh, Nathan Battle put it as a victory for front-room politics. Um, it looks like Eric Chu actually wanted to try and make the process a little bit more transparent, a little bit more uh, open and upfront. And uh, you know, Wang Jinping was blocked by the elites through the backroom channels that you normally go through to win. Uh, the and Eric Chu himself didn't run, and so basically. While everybody was sitting and concentrating on the backroom politics and, and bashing each other that way, Hong Xiaoju went up and said, "Okay, I'll I'll, I'll be the to try and get the ball rolling." And, and she ran, and, and nobody else ran. And uh, speaking of Wang Jinping, uh, he has made it very clear this week that he does not want to join the campaign. I mean, this is another sign. Uh, perhaps, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but, but perhaps this is another sign that there there is not a lot of enthusiasm for uh, jumping on and supporting this campaign, getting involved with this uh, home campaign. Uh, Gavin, yeah, what, was, did, what did Wang say? He was asked to become her chief campaign chairman. But he, typical Wang Jingping style, sort of didn't really say very much and sort of just told reporters that his workload in the legislature means he is unable to accept the position. Too busy. They're basically too busy. Or an excuse. But we don't know, do we? It's Wang Jingping. But uh, Legislative Speaker Hong is uh, being quite oh. vocal. She really wants him. Yeah, but she also dismissed speculation of a rift between the two KMT heavyweights, that being her and Wong. Of course, Wong technically is her boss in the legislature. Mm-hmm. And she told reporters that she will continue to look for ways to help Wong in her campaign for president. So, uh-huh. you know, while Wong won't be taking a position in her campaign office, he could be helping out, like especially in Kaohsiung, of course. Mm-hmm. Where I, think she, I think she would like to sort of get Wong on board to help her in the South. Because, of course, Wong does enjoy support in the South. And uh, the other big hanging question mark over this whole campaign is uh, whether or not James Soong is going to jump in. Uh, that would kind of shake things up. He said that he's not going to announce until after the party congress this Sunday, but uh, that's coming up, so we might be hearing something soon. How would that change uh, the election? I think if James Soong jumped anywhere physically, it would be quite amazing. <clears throat> All right, fair point, fair point. I think he might, after the 19th, say to reporters slowly that he might join the presidential race, but he's not going to jump anywhere. 
So perhaps uh, not creating as big of a splash in the campaign as uh, some people might expect? No, I don't think so. I think if he runs, he runs. If he doesn't run, he doesn't run. I think either could go either way there, and I don't think it really matter anyway. All right. Uh, Donovan, is that your, your read wouldn't make a big difference on the campaign? Well, I mean, basically, in, in the short run, uh, obviously, he's in, he enjoyed a bit of a spike in popularity, but people are starting to remember why they didn't like him the first time around. So he, he's going to sink rapidly in the polls. I don't think he's going to be a major fact one way or the other. I agree completely with Gavin on that. Frankly, I think that the, the public is, he may stay somewhat relevant if there's no, because basically the public is not at all interested in Hong Xiaozhu at all, really. Uh, and But there's a giant chunk of the population, something along the lines of 35, 40 to 45%, somewhere in that range, that just absolutely will not vote for the DPP. So they're going to, they will vote for the best possible candidate they can find who is not tying one. And whoever the now, it's possible that someone will uh, arrive on the horizon who will fill that role, like a copy sort of character, but we don't know if that, that will happen or not. That's what I'm looking to see, is it, will somebody arise that can rally the non-DPP vote? But if nobody, if nobody appears, then it's going to be split between Hong Xiaoju and, 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 and James Song. And it, but neither of them are really going to enjoy that much support. Oh, of course, Sherming Der, of course, did throw his name in the hat. But there was some controversy over his running. Didn't he? He released an app, didn't he? He was going to collect signatures via an app. And there was some question over the... That, that, well, that, seems to, that seemed to have all disappeared. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with him. Do, do, you, think, do, do you think he has enough... Uh, I don't think he has enough of a ground game to get all the signatures. Well, there was talk of talk of James Sung possibly running with him, but again, this app collecting signatures was a big question mark, wasn't it? So whether it was legal or not to actually collect signatures via a telephone app. Yeah, I, I can't imagine the guy who was Zhang Jingguo's protege and uh, and uh, Shermingda running together. Just I, I I think Shermingda would like to, but I don't think James Sung would take it. All right, so. Uh it's an, shaping up to be an interesting campaign, uh, but things could uh, shake it up even more. We're going to have to keep looking. Up next, Greece is not the only place this week with the mounting debt crisis. No, Miali County also claims that distinction, and its government is requesting a bailout uh, after announcing that it has a debt of 64.8 billion NT. Uh, at first, the national government seemed a little bit reluctant to step in, but it has now announced that it will be providing subsidies on the condition that Miali sticks to a financial reform plan. So, $64 billion, that's a big number. Kind of hard to wrap your head around it, but uh, this isn't some far-off, abstract, in-the-distance sort of thing. Uh, civil servants didn't get their paychecks as scheduled this week, so uh, there are certainly people feeling this uh, already. And before we get into uh, the national government's response, and, and there was a bit of a response this week, uh, let's start out with a, a more basic question. How did we get here, Gavin? That's, of course, the 64 million NT dollar question, isn't it? Yes. So to speak. So to speak, yes. Of course, this didn't happen overnight. Sort of the current Maoli magistrate, Xu Yao Zhang, didn't wake up in the morning and go, oh, wow, I'm in debt by quite a bit of money. Apparently, this debt has been piling up for several years. And apparently Vice President Uduni came out this week in defence of former Miaoli County Magistrate Liu Zhang Hong, and he said that Miaoli County was in fact in debt by more than 10 billion NT before Liu took office several, quite a few years ago now. 
Now, now that's very disingenuous, of course. Well, it is uh, pretty disingenuous. $15.23 billion at the time. There was a 200, there was a well over 200, maybe 300 percent increase in the debt uh, during Liu Zhonghong's uh, tenure. Yeah, he was actually accused of taking on too many loans during his tenure as county magistrate. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've heard some uh, some statistics along the lines of the number of people who were hired for, for projects were, were way above what you'd actually need for the project and that kind of thing. Right, some uh, reports of profligate spending, unwise spending. Or targeted toward-to-voters spending. <laughs> yeah, I guess it depends on uh, what you're, uh, what's important to you. Well, I mean, some people would also point to uh, extravagant uh, events like uh, huge firework events and uh, courting international celebrities such as Sarah Brightman. Uh, so that, a lot of stuff in the mix there. Sarah Brightman went there? Yeah. I thought she was going to space to sing. Oh, I got cancelled. She went to Meow Lee County instead of going to Space to Sing. The, her, her, that was a bit of a downer, wasn't it? I took Coming Down to Earth with Sarah Brightman. She ends up in Meow Lee County and not on a spaceship singing. Her booking agency made a last-minute change. Uh, maybe yeah. it was a mistake. Maybe they thought Meow Lee <laughs> County was some sort of separate universe where she could blast off in a spaceship and sing in outer space. Well, they just released photos of uh, Pluto this week. So. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're going to move back up in time and space to uh, this week, though, and the government's uh, response. So uh, what was the national government's response this week? They said they weren't going to give additional funding to the Maui County government, but they were going to pay subsidies. And, of course, these subsidies, (laughs) that's what they said, you know. Okay. These subsidies could come in the way of helping the county government pay its employees. Okay. Of course, you know, rather okay. than, rather than just giving the county government a big slab of money, mm. they'd say, you know, okay, we'll we'll give you some subsidies for important things, but then you have to come back with to us with a solid financial reform plan before we give you any more money. So there are some strings attached. There are quite a few strings attached here. There was a quote by um, the cabinet official. In fact, mm-hmm. the cabinet spokesman, Sun Li Chun, he came out and said, basically, it would be impossible to give any more money to the Miao Li County government at present. Mm-hmm. And the government will intervene in the county government's management of its cash flow to ensure that personnel and basic administrative costs can be met. Right. They're calling it a control mechanism. So they're, uh, the government is definitely setting in a certain set of priorities that they're hoping that the Miali County government will stick to. Yeah. Of course, if it doesn't, apparently there's a, there's, there is a clause in this that if the local government fails to initiate a, a financial reform package, the central government can freeze any subsidies. OK, so they've got a, a strong hand that they're playing from. But, of course, uh, Miali is not the only place in Taiwan that is facing this uh, set of issues. Uh, right, Donovan? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I mean, Yunlin is scheduled for meltdown in October. Uh, Zhenghua has been struggling uh, for some time. Uh, during the last administration, they did start to start to uh, bring the debt down a little bit, but it, it, it's still shaky. Nanto has been has been selling, uh, tried to sell advertisements on the on gates of schools and things like that to try and raise money. That's never a good sign. No, the, the plan failed too. Mm. But it, they tried that for a couple of months. Didn't Miaoli County was it Miaoli County or Yunlin County offered to sell land off? They were going to sell land to raise money. 
Well, Nantos done, has actually uh, put forward some plans for that. I, it may also be that Union Miali has done the same. Oh, Nanto just this. got permission also to develop uh, nationally owned, uh, national, central government owned land to develop that to try and raise some some money to solve their problems. Of course, what's interesting about Yunlin County is they passed several, was it last month, beginning of last month, they passed the bill that said they're going to ban all coal, all, all power stations and factories that burn coal and pet coke. Well, that's certainly not going to help revenue. Well, that's what the central government came out and said. They said, hang on a minute, you want to hold your horses there, Hoss. You know, you know, if you're already in debt and companies will pull out of the county if you introduce this bill, basically. Uh, for those of us who haven't lived in Taiwan all all that long, uh, could you could you guys give uh, me a little bit of perspective? Is this you know it sounds like a lot of places that are facing debt crises? Is this out of the ordinary, or does this sort of thing just ha- pop up every now and then? Uh, if you're pretty much from anywhere else in the world, I think local governments spending themselves into a hole is not exactly an unusual phenomenon. There's there are legal caps on how much debt local governments can take. Um, and basically, several of these governments are, are, are bumping up against that. All right. And it just happens to all be happening at similar times. All right. Well, uh, we're going to have to leave these many little sad stories uh, to work themselves out because uh, we're coming up at a break now. Uh, do stick around for more stories from Taiwan this week. And we're back to Taiwan This Week, ICRT's weekly roundup of news from around the island. I'm Keith Manconi, joined by Gavin Phipps and Donovan Smith. Uh, Jumping back in, the fallout from June's Formosa Fun Coast water park fire continues. Uh, Yesterday, a 19-year-old college student injured in the powder explosion died, bringing the death toll now to seven. Meanwhile, many remain injured. Uh, According to the Ministry of Health, 382 are still in hospital, with 185 in critical condition. That last number is a slight decrease from last week, meaning many are are starting to leave uh, the real danger zone. Uh, But there's still a very long road to recovery for uh, everybody involved. And uh, this week, we've been seeing some steps taken toward ensuring long-term care and support for these victims. Uh, In fact, uh, this Tuesday, a dedicated burn center was opened up to help these victims. Uh, Gavin, uh, what's that going to mean? That was opened in Ban Chow, actually, this new Taipei district, a hospital in Ban Chow. And it was actually opened, it's called the 627, as in the 27th of June, Burn Projects Management Centre. And they're they're, going to provide follow-up treatment for victims of the fire. And their services include reconstructive surgery, rehabilitation, education and employment consultations, as well as home care. Of course, this wasn't funded by the government. This was basically funded by the Yulon Automobile Retailing Group, which sells cars in Taiwan, basically. So an example of kind of lots of private uh, donors coming together coming to make together, this happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I believe I believe there was another... Of course, they have been raising money. The new Taipei city government has been raising money for victims of this. And earlier this week, they said they've raised a total of 1.18 billion NT in donations. That's, for people of the fire. That is quite sizable. Another interesting statistic this week came out about, you know, they imported lots of cadaver skin. Yeah. This doesn't make it sound very nice, really, does it? Cadaver skin. But they imported, like, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of square centimetres of this skin for, obviously, for grafts for victims of the fire. And as of Thursday, health officials said that 61% of the cadaver skin that's been imported has already been used. 
Okay. And that's quite a staggering percentage and quite a staggering figure that. But when you look at 185 people still in critical condition... Gives you a sense of the scale. It gives you a sense of the scale, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, that is an awful lot of money uh, that has been put up, but uh, we've been hearing from some of the families this week. Uh, they are certainly concerned about the long-term funding. I mean, these are injuries that are going to impact the lives of these victims for years and years, maybe for the rest of their life in some cases. Uh, and so they're worried about the long-term funding for this. Uh, and, and we heard uh, perhaps there is going to be some kind of a mechanism set up to uh, distribute that. And that's the Ministry of Health that's came out, come out with that one. And the Ministry of Health has basically said all victims of the Formosa Fun Coast water park fire will get three months of free, free medical treatment. Mm-hmm. And this treatment, of course, includes several medical procedures that are not covered by the island's national health insurance system. And according to Health Minister Zhang Ben Huang, the government is looking into how it will cover the costs of the medical treatment, basically. So you know, they'll get free medical treatment that's not covered by the island's national health insurance system. All right. So a, a lot of help on that front. Uh, the other end of this, of course, is uh, accountability for the accident. And yesterday, prosecutors questioned the owner and manager of the Formosa Fun Coast uh, once again. Uh, earlier this week, we heard about asset freezes and travel bans for uh, some of the people under investigation. Uh, Gavin, uh, tell us what's coming out of that. Yeah, they questioned the manager, the owner, and the CEO of the Formosa Fun Park on Thursday. Again, they questioned them several times. Um, they've been banned from leaving the island. Basically, they're they're, they're free. They're on, but they haven't been. They're free. Basically, they haven't been thrown in the big house yet. They haven't right. been indicted or anything. They are free, but they have been banned from leaving the island. Because there's some concerns about a shuffling of money around. That's, that's some, several other people. That was the that was two other people, not the Formosa Fun Park people. That mm. was the, that was the um, there was concern that the 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 play color man the owner of the play color group mm-hmm. which organised the event, Lu Jong Ji. And the marketing manager of the Raypore International Com- Marketing Company, which also was involved in it, and there apparently they was there was there was allegations that they had actually taken some property out of their name and moved it into someone else's name, so to avoid paying compensation. The only assets that have been frozen so far belong to Chen Bo Ting, and that being the owner of the Formosa Fun Coast Park. Hmm. All right, so uh, the investigation is uh, proceeding. On the public safety front, another uh, piece of news that came out this week is that uh, there has been a ban on combustibles. That was the Ministry of the Interior came out with that one and said basically the use of combustible coloured powder, that being cornstarch, is now banned island-wide. So you can't do it. If you have a party, you can't use it. And apparently the Ministry came out and said that they've called on local fire departments across the island and if they get any applications to hold any public outdoor events and any coloured cornstarch powder is used, they're allowed to ban the event, not give it a permit. All right, so uh, the, the, the fallout from this continues. You know, we are this is the third week from the disaster, uh, but uh, based on what I'm hearing from doctors, uh, the first month is really the critical period for uh, burn victims. Uh, Donovan, um, we, we, we've only had seven deaths so far, but un- unfortunately, uh, in all likelihood, that number is going to go up rather dramatically uh, soon. Well, I hope not, actually. And it seems that we're, we're actually doing fairly well on that front. Um, last week I mentioned that uh, it seems that from predictions that I've heard uh, from various sources and extrapolating from numbers from McKay Hospital, that we'd be looking at a total of in 30, the range of 30 to 50. And actually, seven is is a lot lower than than I, than we've been led to expect might be the case. 
Now, it, that number may go up, but I, I'm, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic at this point. I, I really hope that that number's not going to raise or not raise by much. Uh, and of course, uh, we do as well. Our hopes and prayers are with all of the victims. Uh, but moving on from that story, last up for today, uh, this, is, this one's for you, Donovan. Uh, lots of talk this week about the benefits to come from a new runway set to be opened up at the Taichung Airport. What can you tell us about that? In a move they hope that will uh, cause traffic to uh, take off, they are mo- planning to add a new runway which will take three minutes off of the time that it takes for planes to taxi to the terminal. Now, uh, traffic has been increasing here at the Taichung Airport, but it's still only 25,000, 26,000 people. Um, but this is all part of a larger plan that includes both uh, cargo and passenger, uh, passenger arrivals. A, to the city that where the city the city's trying to work with the the port the both the Taichung Harbor and the airport to increase both transshipments of people and goods in and out of central Taiwan rather than relying on Taoyuan and the Kaohsiung Airport and the ports both north and south. Right, isn't 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 it's attached to a military airport though, isn't it? Yes, it's uh, it's it's the CCK military port, and believe it or not, the the runway at least at one point uh, here in Taichung was the longest in Asia at one point because it was uh, accommodated bombers coming in and out of Vietnam. Right, I mean, could this lead to a problem? Obviously, because it's a shared runway with the military. Extend, I mean, adding a runway or extending a runway, is this likely to cause some problems? Well, there, uh, they've, it appears that they've actually reached an agreement uh, because it's, it's gotten to the point where now they can send it out to bid. So that means that they've actually come to an agreement with the Ministry of National Defense on that. What, was this a Jason Who thing? Probably. Oh, okay. Looking at the time, looking at the timeline, but the but Lin Jialong has been making a lot, has been commenting a lot on how he really wants to upgrade the airport and uh, tie it together with a with a two star port uh, plan that he's got. Okay, so uh, shaving off a couple of minutes for those Taichung travelers. Moving over to our last last story for today, uh, we've got your bonus story for you podcast listeners out there. Uh, And this is supposed to be a fun one, but I think uh, this week we can all agree this is not comedy, but tragedy. It would seem that reports of Yuan Yuan the Panda's pregnancy have been greatly exaggerated, Gavin. Yes, the Taipei City Zoo earlier this week came out, and with tears in its eyes, it announced to the public that Yuan Yuan was not pregnant, as had been believed. Believe it or not, the zookeepers at the zoo actually thought the the panda was pregnant. Apparently because the, the panda wasn't eating properly. And the panda was sluggish and not doing anything. And the zookeepers basically went, oh, the panda must be pregnant. Those are the signs of panda pregnancy? Apparently they are the signs of panda pregnancy, yes. Losing appetite and exhibiting other signs, such as sluggishness. But you anyway received two artificial inseminations in March. Mm-hmm. And began to lose her, began to lose her appetite in early June. This mm. is what led zookeepers to believe that she was pregnant. Unfortunately, a couple of panda experts from China arrived in Taiwan this week, and apparently they they managed to give the panda an ultrasound check and found out that the panda wasn't pregnant, bursting everyone's bubble, and the nation mourned. That's quite a that's quite a specialty. Panda ultrasound. Well, apparently the the quite the, the ironically amusing thing is apparently they had to get the, these experts in pandas from China in because apparently zoo staff at Taipei Zoo um, couldn't actually give the panda an ultrasound check because the panda really didn't want to be touched. Ah, 
So you need the panda whisperer in from you, China. Apparently, you need a panda whisperer. I don't know, after a couple of artificial inseminations, I can see why she might be a little sluggish and not want to be touched. <laughs> Possibly, yes. I think we have yes. gotten to the bottom of this mystery, yes. and it only took us three minutes. We're really on the ball today. All right, well, uh, we're going to have to leave it all for there today. You can send us your thoughts on the week's major stories on the Facebook page or on our blog. You'll also be able to find this program online at the ICRT website and on iTunes. If you are listening through iTunes, please take a second to rate and review the show. It lets us know what you're thinking and helps other people discover the program. Signing off from the ICRT studio, I'm Keith Menconi, joined by Gavin Phipps. Gavin. Yeah, bye-bye. And Donovan Smith. Donovan. Hi, thank you. And thank you all for listening. See you again next time on Taiwan This Week. Tune in again next Friday evening at 8.30 for another informative look at the top stories of the week with Taiwan This Week. And don't forget to also check out our podcast on our website, icrt.com.tw. Now keep it here for more music and news only on ICRT FM 100.